Welcome to A Well Cared For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. You might have heard of this, it's a pretty popular term that's thrown around quite a bit, and I had someone ask me how I deal with imposter syndrome, which in fact triggered me. Because <laughs> I was like, are you calling me an imposter? Because I also do struggle with imposter syndrome, and so I understood immediately why this person felt like it would be something that I could talk about because it's absolutely true. A lot of people who have any kind of measure of success or they put themselves out there on the regular basis, they often encounter this imposter syndrome. And if you're not familiar with the term imposter syndrome, it usually is characterized by someone who is experiencing doubt about their accomplishment or their abilities or their talent or their skill. So they have this consistent or persistent fear that they're just going to mess up at any time, that people are going to realize that they suck, that they're terrible at something, even when they're doing things really well. And it doesn't matter, and I'm speaking from experience here, how much evidence or proof this person has that they are capable and that they are accomplished, they still feel like that they are a, quote, imposter. That's where this word imposter syndrome comes from that they don't deserve their success, that they are lying to other people, they're somehow tricking them into believing that they're more capable than they really are. Gosh, I can't even tell you all the areas in which I experience imposter syndrome. And so most recently, for example, I was talking to someone, I was speaking in French, and someone who didn't know me that well heard me, and they're like, oh my gosh, you're amazing, you're like fluent. And immediately I was like, no, in no world am I fluent in French. I make so many mistakes. I'm terrible at it. I've worked on it for 10 years and I'm no better. <laughs> I still sound like I've only been learning for a year. I'm like the worst French speaker alive. And this person was like, Corey, I, I only speak English. <laughs> like I took a semester of Spanish in college. I don't even know what you're talking about. And so to this person, I seemed quite quote, accomplished, but to me, I don't at all feel that way. I feel like I must be the slowest language learner in the world. And the same is true for my books. I'll write a book and I'll put a book out into the world and I have 30 published books. You would think after 30 published books, I would feel like, yes, I'm a good writer. I do good work. But every time I put it out there, I often feel like, gosh, I could have done better with X, Y, and Z. I'm not very good at this, this, and this. And so immediately my criticism, let's call it, of my work will rise up in me naturally. I'll immediately feel like, no, I shouldn't be a writer. There's so many other people who are so much better at this than me. I completed a painting last year, one of my most difficult for me anyway, and I got a lot of really nice compliments about the painting, but then of course, same situation, I was like, no, this is terrible, I have so much to learn. And so no matter what I do, it doesn't matter what area this is in, language learning, art, 
writing, I often encounter this fear of not being enough, of not being good enough, that people are going to make me stop doing what I'm doing. <laughs> Never going to let me write another book. Never going to let me try to speak another terrible sentence in Spanish or French. Oh my god, and if you think my French is bad, I can't even begin to tell you about how terrible my Spanish is. I've only been learning it for like a year and a half, and it's very bad. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all I'm going to say is it's very bad. And this idea that I will never get better or that I'll never be good at something, that there's a limit to what I can do. All of this is part of the imposter syndrome, that I'm not allowed to be a beginner, that I'm not allowed to learn things, that I'm not allowed to be a work in progress. This crushing feeling that I have to be perfect at everything immediately the second I try it or pick it up or it doesn't matter. I'm just wasting my time or everyone else's time. All of that is connected to imposter syndrome. There's a lot of characteristics of imposter syndrome, like doubting yourself. Like every time I sit down to write a new book, I doubt whether or not I can do it, <laughs> even though I've done it so many times before. That's definitely imposter syndrome. Thinking that maybe it was just dumb luck or something else that helped me to get it done. That all these people who like and buy my books, that they must be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what a good book is, which is not true, of course. I don't feel that way about them. There's this prevalent fear that people are going to realize that I'm actually terrible and that they had no reason to like what I did. Or anytime that someone's kind enough to give me a compliment, definitely my first instinct is to downplay that or minimize that. Like, oh, Corey, oh my God, your book was amazing. And I'd be like, oh, no, I mean, it was okay, but... I, you know, maybe I should have really done X, Y, and Z. And this is sometimes paired with me comparing myself to other people. So for example, if someone's like, oh my god, I really liked your last book. I think you did a great job. I'd be like, oh no, you know, it's no Stephen King novel. Or I'll compare myself to someone who has more success, obviously, than me in an, in an area. And I will believe with my entire heart <laughs> that this other person is clearly the definition of competent or skilled and whatever I'm doing is just not that and that's why I'm not as successful or that's why I'm not as deserving of that success. So there's a real difficulty in accepting praise. Anytime someone gives me compliments or positive feedback, I really struggle to just accept it with a thank you. If you ever come up to me and you're like, I really love something and I go, thank you, just know that I practically had to gouge my eyes out to say that to you. <laughs> without adding any kind of qualifier to that. It's been a real challenge for me to try to deprogram that tendency to reject praise and to just accept the kind things that people say to me about the things that I do and that maybe it's okay for them to like something even if it's not perfect because that's the reality is that I can't imagine that someone would like something I do even though it's not perfect. I can't imagine that I deserve to do what I want to do unless I can do it perfectly. That's wrapped up in the imposter syndrome stuff, at least for me. I don't know if that's true for everyone, but for me, there's definitely a connection. And so if I could just accept this idea that I'm allowed to do something, even if it's not perfect, even if I just want to do it, and I'm allowed to accept praise and to believe that people enjoy my stuff, even if whatever it is that they're enjoying isn't perfect. It's just they still enjoy it. They still like it. I have not yet managed <laughs> to completely embrace this idea. But, you know, logically, I realize that because, for example, there are things that I like, but then with an objective eye, I can see their imperfections. I think that about the musical Hamilton, for example. I love a lot of the songs from the musical Hamilton, but that is not a perfect 
show. That show has objectively flaws, but I still really like it. And if it comes on, I want to watch it. Or if a song pops up on my playlist, I want to listen to it. And I'm singing along and I'm getting all the emotions and the stuff. So it's still very enjoyable for me, even though with an artistic eye or objectively, it's not perfect. And I can't even remember when I realized that I was struggling with imposter syndrome. I mean, I knew I was a perfectionist and I knew that I was struggling to accept compliments, like those things were clear to me. But I didn't realize that that was all part of imposter syndrome until I realized that there was also a connection between overachievement and imposter syndrome. So if you're someone who is considered an overachiever, like you really push yourself to be good at everything and to do more and more, if you can't write just one or two books, for example, if you have to write 30... (laughs) you might be an overachiever. And there's some evidence that shows that some of us, our reaction to those feelings, a feeling like a fraud or a feeling like not good enough, a feeling like we don't deserve to do what we want to do or have what we want to have, that our reaction to that imposter syndrome is to overcompensate by working excessively hard, by doing something excessively, by trying to perfect it. If we just work hard enough and we do more, then we can prove that we're allowed to have this thing or to do this thing. And so if you struggle with overachieving, if you struggle with accepting praise or compliments from other people, you might be struggling with imposter syndrome. And if you are struggling with imposter syndrome, what can you do about it? How can you possibly overcome it to at least an extent where you start breaking up these patterns of being really hard on yourself? Or maybe you have a little bit more self-confidence about your abilities and belief in your deservingness to do the things that you want to do, even if they are done imperfectly. As with everything else that I have ever talked about on this show, it begins with acknowledging it and identifying that that is what you're struggling with, that you, in fact, do have imposter syndrome. And you can do that by my typical favorites, meditation, journaling, contemplation, anything you can do to get into your mind and look at what you're thinking about yourself, looking at what you're feeling when you do certain things or you encounter certain situations that might be like, aha, that is clearly imposter syndrome. Anything you can do to bring awareness, that would be very helpful in helping you to recognize that you're struggling with imposter syndrome. Also, I think it's really important for us to, like I mentioned last week, challenge any of these negative thoughts that we're having about ourselves. Our mind might be lying to us, telling us that we suck more than we do, or that we don't deserve to have this, or we'll never be good at it, or why are you even trying when there's actually good, skilled people out in the world who can do this better? Who are you to try to be a painter, to try to be a writer, to try to be an entrepreneur, to try to be a foreign language speaker, whatever, multilingual, polyglot is the word I'm looking for. Wow, watch how hard it was for me to find it. That's not going to trigger my imposter syndrome or anything. (laughs) Being a podcaster, I had to deal with imposter syndrome when I was thinking about launching this podcast. I had to really sit down and tell myself, you know, Corey, if you put this out there and it helps even one person, it will be worth it, even though on most days you feel like you have nothing of value to say or add to the world. So that was imposter syndrome trying to sabotage me even putting together this show. And then, of course, I had this friend... (laughs) (laughs) I have good friends and I'm very lucky to have good friends. And one of these good friends was like, Corey, do you know how many mediocre men are out there buying podcast equipment while you sit here and wonder whether or not you have something valuable to say? (laughs) And I was like, okay, I guess I should at least put a few episodes out there in case it helps somebody. Keep a realistic perspective. Challenge your negative thoughts. Be sure that 
what you're saying to yourself is accurate, which is probably not if it's negative. If you're not saying you're going to do amazing and just have fun and love what you're doing and do it anyway because you can, if that's not the thought pattern, it's probably some of these lies that we tell ourselves that the mind gets in these spirals, these tangents and leads us astray. And we don't have to identify with or believe those thoughts at all. Also, something that's useful in overcoming imposter syndrome something that I will absolutely be forthright and tell you that I am no good at whatsoever, and that is accepting failure and making mistakes as part of the process. Again, because I struggle with perfectionism, this is not something I do easily or well. (laughs) I think that it's not possible for me to have room for mistakes or errors in my life. Of course, this is absolutely unrealistic, but I'm just telling you, in my mind, what I'm thinking is, If I made a mistake, it means I wasn't meant to do it. If I fail, it means I wasn't supposed to do that or I wasn't supposed to have that. But that's just absolutely not true. People make mistakes. They fail even more than they succeed. So even these, quote, companies, for example, that we might admire, big companies who have changed the world, or these artists who have made really amazing works that we admire, or anyone we can think of that might be accomplished or inspiring, that person, I guarantee you, made a hundred times more mistakes than they made successes. But it's really hard for us to recognize that because we feel like making mistakes or failing at something is a sign that we're wrong, that we're doing it all wrong and that we should just stop. But that's not true. Failing and making mistakes means that we're moving in the right direction. And it can be really hard to recognize that. Again, me being the very first to tell you that I really struggle with that mindset issue. But it's true. I can recognize that it's true even though I don't feel it in my heart yet. (laughs) Logically, I know that it's true. The data supports it even though my little heart does not yet support it. And there's lots of little exercises that I've seen people advertising on the internet, journals, things that you can try to help working through your imposter syndrome. I'm sure that there are a hundred journals for sale online that you can find specifically catering to overcoming your imposter syndrome. I've also heard people who struggle with this talk about how they break things down into realistic goals, like they track their progress as they go. And then for each thing that they achieve, they celebrate it. So basically training yourself to recognize your success as success. Because I can't tell you how many times that I do something and I go right on to the next thing without even acknowledging that I did anything worth celebrating. My 30 books, every time I finish writing a book, I should stop and celebrate that. I wrote another book. Writing another book is hard. It's months of my time and energy and effort put into something. But I can tell you that I've maybe celebrated two or three, and that was with much effort and force. (laughs) You must celebrate these books that you have finished. I'm always pushing myself to go on to the next project or the next rung on the ladder, and that's just reinforcing this idea that the work I do is not important enough to celebrate. The work I do is not valuable or that it's not meaningful. So anything we can do to break up the progress and force ourselves to acknowledge, I just did something good. Even, again, if I did it imperfectly, I did something good and I should celebrate that. Making ourselves stop and acknowledge that also will help to undermine these imposter syndrome feelings that we're having. Because it's like, if you really were terrible, why are you celebrating yourself all the time? You know what I mean? So you can't really have both of those perspectives, or at least they become very uncomfortable in your mind, which might be just enough to create the dissonance you need to break up with your imposter syndrome. It also helps to, again, surround yourself by great people who can reassure you, who can provide you with some perspective. They can talk some sense to my nonsense as well. 
just do whatever you've got to do to break up with your imposter syndrome. And that might be, again, having enough of this positive self-talk or reinforcement from others or celebratory experiences to create that dissonance so where it starts to feel like maybe it's not true that it couldn't possibly be true because look at all these other things that are happening just enough to make your brain start questioning these thoughts and feelings that you're having also trying to do what you can to distance yourself from perfectionism again it is still valid for you to do what you want to do and experience what you want to experience and try what you want to try even if you don't do it perfectly i am sure that you can think of movies that you love or books that you love that you've read that you can objectively look at those things and be like those were not perfect like there's this thing right here i skipped over this entire chapter because it was slow and boring you know it's not perfect but it still gives you immense joy so obviously it's still valuable it still has meaning and value to you and so why can't you apply that same philosophy to your own work and to the things that you do they don't have to be perfect they can still be loved and enjoyed by yourself and other people, even if they are imperfect. That's what I want to send you out into the world thinking about this week. <laughs> can you maybe give yourself a break and just love doing what you're doing and giving yourself permission to do it imperfectly? And will that be enough to stop feeling like an imposter in your own life? Because how can you be an imposter in your own life? And that's it for today, dear human. I hope you found this episode useful. And if you did and would like to let me know or you want to write into the show with your questions that you want me to share my thoughts on, you can reach me at Corey at CoreyMshram.com or through any of my social media channels. Otherwise, I will be back next week with a new episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.